Good morning, church. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Jerome. I'm the Associate Minister here at St. Mark's. Um, I'm aware that, uh, yes, I am dressed a little bit differently, and I'm also aware that some people may not know what this is, so just before I go on, um, no, I'm not getting married and I'm not dressed as the bride. I'm already married, and, um, and, and I'm sure I was the groom, so explanations will come. For those of you that are doing the quiz, you might just want to check your questions. Um, and um, I, I believe there's an incentive as well for people that finish their quiz. Is that right, Holly? There's incentives? Yeah, okay. So why am I robed? Well, before I get on to that, um, we are um, uh, finishing up a series on the victory of the cross. And um, today, particularly looking at Jesus's sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice. So I'm waiting for my slides to... Oh, I've got a crash. I might need your help, Charles, if you can move it to the next slide. Thank you. So um, we're looking at Christ's victory on the cross and his, what the writer in the Hebrews keeps saying is the once for all sacrifice. Once for all. I want to look at this victory of the cross and how it plays out when we actually gather. Um, some of you may or may not know that there is sort of a basic structure to how we gather and um, in our time together. And so the first part is that we gather. And then there's a listening. Then there's a responding. And then there's a sending out. Now, sometimes these things might be shuffled around and there might be some responding that happens on early. But basically, that's a general sense of what's happening. And so I wanted to look at how the victory of the cross plays out when we gather. See, we, we all come from different places and we gather here. We gather and we approach God together as a people. Now, God, you couldn't just approach him. When you read in the Old Testament and you read even in Hebrews, who's telling you all about how people used to have to approach it was through sacrifices. Why sacrifices? Because if God is the creator and the source of life, sin is the idea that I'm turning away and saying, I want to live life my own way. And it's walking away from the source of life. And in that's death. And so God gave to his people a way of being right with him and a way of approaching him. And there was a sacrificial system of sacrificing animals and there were offerings that could be made and there were laws and commandments to keep. And this was a way of people being right with God. But we read quite clearly in our uh, reading today that this was insufficient and it was only a shadow of what was yet to come. And so, why am I wearing robes? Because there was something better coming. And it was Jesus. The sacrifices foreshadowed something better. Because how can an animal sort of be equal with us? How could it take our place? But in our reading today, it said, um, the psalmist uh, from Psalm 40 
the writer of Hebrews takes Psalm 40 and he puts these words into Jesus' mouth and it says, then he said, it's like Jesus saying, here I am, I have come to do what you want. And, um, and you have prepared, or you don't want sacrifices and offerings, but you have prepared a body for me. And so Jesus himself becomes the sacrifice. And so we approach God through Jesus. At least one of the things my robes represents for me is not pomp or I'm more special, I've got special robes, but actually quite the opposite. For me, it's that I don't stand here before God's people as though I'm able to lead God's people in and of myself or that I stand before God's people righteous in myself. But rather, it's like being robed in Christ's righteousness, in Jesus' righteousness. And that's how we all approach. We come through Jesus. I'd like, to, I'd like you to pray a prayer with me. It's called the Prayer of Preparation. And um, it reminds me that we can't do anything apart from God, that God makes Christ's presence available to us through the Holy Spirit. And you'll often find a lot of formal prayers or set prayers will end with through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because that's the only way we approach God. That's how our worship is acceptable, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So please pray with me. Almighty God, nothing is hidden from you, not even the secrets of our hearts. By your Holy Spirit, Purify our deepest thoughts so that we may truly love you and bring honour to your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now Holly's coming up. So we gather and we listen. Part of our coming together is that we're seeking to hear God. We're seeking to listen to what he says. We gather to listen to God speak through his word, by his spirit. And it takes effort to hear the heart of what God's saying. What do I mean the heart of what God's saying? I, I think most of us can maybe understand something of this experience of when we were growing up, um, or even as you're growing up now, you may hear parents say, you know, you need to use your manners, you need to be polite. You need to say thank you and please and sorry. Have you ever watched children when they're forced to say sorry? It's quite a sight. Uh, the words come out. You can follow or listen or obey, but it's not the heart of what we're looking for. I, I think for all of us, we're looking that our hearts are being transformed, that we are truly thankful, that we're truly sorry. So it's not just the outward actions that matters most. In Hebrews um, chapter 10, verse 5, and in 9 to 10, it speaks of Jesus this way. So when Christ came into the world, he said, you do not want sacrifices and offerings, but you have prepared a body for me. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do what you want. 
So God ends the first system of sacrifices so that he can set up the new system. Jesus Christ did what God wanted him to do, and because of this, we are made holy through the sacrifice of his body. Christ made this sacrifice only once and for all time. As we hear that, we hear that Jesus, Jesus himself is obedient to the Father's will. He's showing obedience to what God has asked of him. And, and we're called to hear what God is asking of us. I have like um, one category over here, which is the things that I've been asked to do and the things that I believe are important to do. And then over here, I have a category of things. Uh, these are the things that I do when I'm avoiding the things that I should be doing. So over here, things that I've been asked to do and think are important to do. And here are all the things I do to avoid doing the things I should be doing. In 1 Samuel 15:22, it says, To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Or obedience is better than sacrifice. If you're following your quiz, obedience is better than sacrifice. That's like when you've got an essay that's due and all of a sudden you've got such energy to clean your room, you're checking with your parents whether there's any chores they want done. Um, or, or, or you know when the one thing you really need to do is say sorry and you can do a whole host of other things to care for the person or, or somehow to sh show that you're sorry, but saying sorry seems harder. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We can sacrifice in so many ways and we can spend ourselves in so many ways and miss the very thing that we're sometimes called to do. One of the things I think that most propels us to be obedient to God is seeing God's love for us in Jesus. Jesus was obedient to death. In all of the things that we're listening for as we're seeking to be obedient to God, all the commandments, all the laws, everything is speaking God's love. And when we particularly look at Christ, when we see Jesus, that he became the sacrifice for our sins, we're supposed to see Jesus and see God's love for us. And it's that love that enables us to trust and obey. It's in that moment that we want to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm going to invite the band up. We're about to um, take up our offer offering. And again, we can put in offerings, we can come to church, and these can become things and we miss the heart of what's going on. God wants all of our life because he gave all of himself for us. So one of the challenges we face as we seek to um, listen and we seek to be obedient to God is we find that in our attempt to be obedient, in our attempt to follow what God has for us, we fail. 
And um, sometimes uh, Christians and non-Christians alike have this kind of idea running along. It's, if you look up at the graph, if, if the top parts, um, I, I'm, I'm doing something good, uh, my behaviour looks good, or across, I'm doing something bad. It's like my life is, uh, I, I, I feel good about myself and I'm accepted and I feel worthwhile if things are going well. I'm doing good things, but then I do something bad, then I don't feel so good and I don't feel so accepted, and up and down, up and down. And I say sometimes, even Christians live like this, in that we forget that actually we're not acceptable to God through our works, but through his work, through Christ's work. We're actually okay because of what God has done. What a relief. It's not up to me. I don't have to be unsure about whether I'm okay or not okay today, whether I'm good enough or not good enough today, based on how I think that I'm going with my behaviour today. But actually, it's because of what Jesus has done. The reality is that apart from Jesus, none of us are acceptable to God. That all of our good works and all of our things, our bad behaviour, it's all below the line. And there's something inside of us that's broken and knows this is the case. We're looking to be right and people work out their own way to do that. They look for it in their achievements or they look for it in their good works. In Hebrews 10.14, so this is a little bit just beyond our reading, it says, With one sacrifice, Jesus made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You might have heard Andrew talk about we're saved, we're being saved, we will be saved. You can use that same idea with holy. The Bible will use the idea of sanctified, holy. You are sanctified, you are holy. You are being made holy. You will be made holy. And so, because of what Jesus has done, actually all of who you are is above the line. It doesn't mean all of your works are good, but it means who you are. I have children. When my children may not behave in the way that's right, or any children, they're not disowned. They're still my children. Just like our Heavenly Father who's perfect won't disown us. And so, does this mean then we don't have to repent? Don't worry about it. We're all above the line. Well, there is something which has been done, we have been made holy, that places us above the line, that is, you are children of God. That's done, done deal. But God has called you to work that out. What does it mean to be a child of God? How can people see God's glory through your life? How can they know that you're a child of God? That's being made holy. That's letting the holiness come out. And... uh, David, King David, after committing adultery with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he says this, You are not pleased by sacrifices, otherwise I would give them. You don't want burnt offerings. The sacrifice God wants is a willing spirit. God, you will not reject a heart that is broken and sorry for its sin. 
now my sorrow is not just about what other people will think of me. Yes, that is sadly sometimes what's going on. But now my deepest sorrow is when I see that Jesus has loved me and I have forgotten. I, I forgot how much God loved me. It's like if somebody were to attack you or say something bad about you and you forget that you're loved by the King of Kings, think about how your behaviour might be when you feel attacked. Now think about how your behaviour would be if you knew you were a loved child of God. And, and in that sense, we're all being called... I lost my thought. <laughs> um, I was talking about having a willing spirit and a broken heart and being sorry for sin. And so one of the ways that we gain the victory of the cross and the power of the cross and what God has done for us in Jesus is that we are truly sorry, that we come before God in sorrow over our failure sometimes to see just how much he loves us and how secure we are in that. And so we're about to have a time of prayer. A little bit like last week, there are prayer stations. But our focus in prayer this time will be in forgiveness and seeking God's forgiveness, in being able to say sorry. And so we pray, when we pray, we pray for the world, we pray for the church, we pray for those in need and for ourselves. And there are some prompts up above. And if you could think about ways in which we may have failed personally or as a church, we may have failed to care for the world, to care for people in it, the environment, the church, people around us, those in need. And then the ways that you can respond is there is last week the same prayer station down the back. You can write down prayers where you um, are asking for forgiveness for something and you can tear that piece of paper up and put it in the container. Over here there are going to be some sand trays um, and uh, in the sand trays you can think about something that you're sorry for and just write sorry in the sand and then shake it and it's gone. And um, there are also some um, CMS booklets again. Um, that can give you some prompts about things you can be praying for in the world and our failure sometimes to think about the wider church and those who are persecuted. Um, and over here there are bubbles and um, as you think about something you're sorry for, you can blow those bubbles and as they pop, you can uh, recognise that God has forgotten those sins, that he has wiped them away. And again, I'd encourage families to go around together, talk with your children, um, talk to each other, Find out what you're praying for. Uh, think about things that um, you want to confess. And if appropriate, you may want to gather in twos or threes and also seek prayer and um, confess to one another and pray for one another. And I'll call us back in about five minutes. Our God fulfills his promises and is true to his word. We have confessed our sins. God has forgiven us because Christ died for us. Amen. As we head out, um, what left are we to do um, if Christ's sacrifice was once for all? 
Has everything been taken care of? What work are we supposed to be doing? In John chapter 6, verses 28 to 29, um, the crowds have been chasing after Jesus. He's just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 and he's crossed the lake and they've followed him. And he says, hey, you're just following me because of what, I've, what you've seen me do. Um, don't work for food that spoils. And then they say, well, the people ask Jesus, well, what are the things that God wants us to do? And Jesus answered, the work God wants you to do is this, to believe in the one that God sent. As we go out, our great work now is giving thanks to God for his son Jesus. Our great work now is to believe and trust and put our full weight on Jesus, that we have been set free. Working that out in our day-to-day actions is a challenge. But to keep fixing our eyes on Jesus, letting him take the full weight. So our work is to believe in Jesus. I'm going to invite the band up. And as we make, um, make this last song our declaration, this is what we believe. This is the confession and faith of the church that we do believe in Jesus. We believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please stand.